0: Hey there, podcast listeners. Since the time of recording this episode, we've changed our name to be Truest Leadership Institute. You can learn more about this podcast and about the Truest Leadership Institute by visiting us on the web at truestleadershipinstitute.com. And now, back to the episode. In a competitive environment, leaders can no longer afford to ignore their talent management strategy. Proactivity is required but what exactly does that proactive strategy look like? We continue with Bev Wise and Ramonda Kaiser to learn more.
1: So we mentioned in the last podcast about the employee life cycle talent management strategy. Now that sounds again like a long buzzword, but think of it in terms of an employee life cycle. And there's really six parts that we focus in on. Digestible for
2: our clients.
1: Oh, amen Well, we.
2: Do the consulting? We do it in digestible parts
1: or segments, so that it's not cumbersome or overwhelming. Absolutely, and that it makes sense. That it's it's an easy strategy to latch onto because it's it's a natural fit. So what is what you need? And and it's what is the employee life cycle? Well, think in terms of how do you actually attract the people that you need, the talent Mm -hmm. that you need. How do you go about recruiting them, Anna? You were mentioning in the last segment that that you know that the whole change in the way you go about finding talent you know ten fifteen years ago you'd advertise in the local newspaper now it's all about the internet and the different types of search engines that are out there, oh, and what are your- your employees or former employees even saying about you Absolutely. helps to drive talent. Absolutely. So so it's a different world, but how do you go about attracting? How do you go about recruiting? So attraction is the first stage of the employee life cycle. Recruiting that talent into the organization is the second stage. Then it's onboarding. How do you bring them onboard to the organization so that they can hit the ground running and, and start
2: fit with the culture?
1: Exactly. And Which is, I think, a missing piece. I'm
2: sorry. No, that's <laughs> Which okay. is a missing piece sometimes because we get these great employees, but we don't onboard them effectively or properly and they feel like they're lost in a big ocean.
1: Absolutely. I want to really spend some time focusing on onboarding because there are simple things that an organization can do to make a difference Huge. differences. Absolutely. I'm
0: thrilled to hear more about that because, you know, I've I've changed positions several times and, you know, I've been in banking now almost 20 years and I just go into a job now assuming that for the first six months I'm going to hate it and I'm going to want to quit it the whole time. Mm-hmm. That wasn't my experience here at the BB&T Leadership Institute or with BB&T, but that was just eye-opening when I came here and was like, it doesn't have to be this way.
2: As it, it turns doesn't, out.
1: not at all. No, you can really be made to feel welcome if if, if an organization has done a good job figuring out who they are. And then go for that fit to the organization, both in the job that's open, uh, that, that talent that you need, and that cultural fit, then onboarding doesn't have to be complicated and doesn't have to take a long time. So then the fourth area of uh, the employee lifecycle strategy is development. How do you go about continuing to develop your employees? Learning is important for people. Uh, especially in this day and age. And so how do you go about continuing to provide opportunities? It doesn't even have to always be formal training sessions. Just how do you inspire them to learn? How do you give them new projects or new, new types of work that keep things interesting for people? And so- that stretch them.
2: Part of that development isn't just keeping people in what the skills that they were hired for, what they bring to the table, but also stretching putting them in a little stretch phase of what other skills can they develop.
1: Absolutely, which is important as well. And then we go over to the whole retention idea. And and in that, we'll talk a bit about engagement, employee engagement. So how do you retain, once you've invested in the whole process of attracting, recruiting, onboarding, and developing the talent, how do you make sure you retain them within the organization? And then last but not least, and Ramonda had mentioned this earlier, is the transitioning. How do you gracefully, and I, I love that word gracefully? How do you gracefully exit them from the organization, whether it's them deciding that they want to leave through giving a a two-week resignation notice or through retirement? How do you make sure that you keep that door open for if they ever want to come back or if they want to stay with you on a part-time basis? Or if they want to refer people? Absolutely. Some of
2: our best referrals for candidates come from previous talent.
1: Our own employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So so that's really the six stages, attraction, recruiting, onboarding, developing, retaining, and transitioning.
0: Let's take a step down deeper. Tell me more about attracting.
1: Okay. Uh, Ramonda and I will both attack this, but here are just questions that mm-hmm. you can be asking as an employer Through those answers, it really can help give you clues as to how you can go about positioning yourself as an employer. So simply, who are you as a company? What's your mission? What's your vision? What's your purpose? You know, what are those things? Most organizations work on those components because they work on their business strategy coming from that mission, vision, and purpose.
2: What are the things that you're proud about as the employer that sets you apart from other companies? that you want people to be proud to come work for
1: you. That's a great point. What are some of the legends and stories about how did you How did you start? Mm-hmm. How was your company founded? How did it get to where it is today? How is it a community partner? Oh, that's excellent. A
2: lot of times people have that proposition of here's what we do in our community that helps us attract the right talent
1: why would people want to come and work for you? What do you offer? And again, we're not just talking about salary and benefits, but the kind of work environment they would be coming into. People just want to find meaningful work, and that meaning connects them with the right employer. Then you have a great fit. Yeah, you know, almost every time that uh, surveys are done, there was a Kenneth Kovacs survey done years ago, about, uh they they listed 10 different aspects of work satisfiers. And they asked, first of all, for the supervisors to rate them from one to 10, with one being the thing that they felt was going to be most important to their employees, and then two, the second most important, three, third most important, on down to 10. And then they had those employees of those supervisors rate the same 10. And almost in every survey, the supervisors rated pay as what they thought would be the most important thing to their employees. The employees rating the same 10 items rated interesting work as the number one item that they felt was most important for them to feel a sense of satisfaction with their work. Hmm. So, so you know, all those types of questions, what's your purpose, the reason you're in business... How are things done around your company? What are your values? Mm-hmm. Can they grow and learn? What, what are some growth opportunities that they might have? Uh, what are things that they can learn?
0: Tell me about the recruiting stage.
1: Okay. That's, that has become, uh, definitely a more, uh, uh technologically <laughs> geared type of stage than it used to be. Uh, so, the recruiting part is really looking at what is the job that you have available or what is the talent need that you have and making sure that you're very clear on the aspects of the job that, that you want someone to do. First of all, the responsibilities. People want to know what is it that's going to be expected of them? Who is it they're going to report to? Where is it the job is going to be located? And certainly they're going to want to know at some point in time, what are the salary, you know, what's the salary associated with it and what are the benefits? What is expected?
2: Basically boils down. What's going to be expected of me? How will
1: I know that I'm doing something well? Um, yeah, how can I be successful in the job? Right. So what is the knowledge that's required? What are the, you know, what are the skills that are required? What are the abilities? What's the experience that that's required because that also helps you in determining how to screen resumes Mm -hmm. and things that come in the door.
0: So that really sounds like it needs to be defined before you even see your first candidate.
1: Yeah. And I would even take a step back from that. I used to always say to managers when they'd have an opening in their staff, whether it was a, an addition to staff or whether it was someone had left the organization It's a great time to take a step backward and say, okay, this opening is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for me to look at my existing team and, and the work that I now have to do, because we all know things are changing all All the the time. time. Change (laughs) is inevitable. Absolutely. So Even if you've had a person on board for just a year or two and they leave the organization, in that year or two, the work that your unit is expected to do may have shifted or changed. So that taking that step back and saying, okay, what do I need to produce out of my unit? What What's the talent that I have on board now? Because everybody brings different things to the table.
2: It really requires the manager of that team or business unit to be strategic and visionary so that they can see things 18 months down the road. My business unit is shifting and I need to be prepared with
1: new talent to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Absolutely. So wherever you can be communicative to your management team about the way the business is shifting and how you see things. And getting that
2: input from stakeholders and making sure that people are hearing your message Absolutely. so that you get that buy-in.
1: Absolutely. And so that's the kind of intelligence you take. You look at your own organization strategies. You look at your own business plans and it can be as simple. It doesn't have to, if you don't have a business plan, it can be as simple as what's my unit expected to produce in this next year. What do I have to bring to the table? And what talent do I have in my behind schedule in producing that? What do I need to bring in, in order to supplement those goals being accomplished? And that's where recruiting starts So, you know, the attraction stage really starts broadly at the company level. What are we as a company? Who are we as a company? And then the recruiting goes more down to what specific talent do I need at this moment in time? Where are my gaps? Yes. Where are my gaps? And then of course you use the different vehicles that you can reach out to, whether it's online recruiting, maybe through your website, you post jobs, university recruitment, exactly. Local trade associations, again, exploring those avenues where you could get talent that would fit into your organization. So that's really, that's that recruiting stage.
0: Just thinking through that idea, it's, it's really, I think resounding with me because I know there's a temptation when you have an FTE position available, to just rush to fill it, particularly if it's not a newly formed position. It was something that was vacated mm-hmm. because there's work now that is not being done. And so it's like, get the person in here that can get up and running the fastest. But it sounds like what you're suggesting is take a breath and think about your team more as an organism and what do you need to supplement their existing strengths, their existing you know, abilities to get you to your goals because the person who might be able to get you up and running and get the short-term gains may not be the same person as the person who can make the long-term gains stay and really excel in the position. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: and that pain of having that open position and not getting current work done it's it's a real thing and I know it's such a temptation then to just try to go out and get a body to fill that that immediate need but it it can be very short-sighted depending on what it is that you're and it's, it's
2: short-sighted for not just the organization because in the long term the organization isn't getting their need met because the skill might not be there with that warm body and what a disservice you're doing to that
1: employee mm, that's a really good point who oh, has?
2: let's say for most practical purposes, are excited to be in your organization and they're in a position that as the manager, well, you knew 70% they'd be okay, but there's a 30 or 40% gap that they're going to have. If we haven't done the right things to prepare for that gap, we've done that employee now a disservice and they will be miserable and disengaged.
1: Yeah, because they'll feel almost from the get-go that they're not living up to expectations. Right. Yeah.
2: So it's very careful not to put just any warm body mm-hmm. in a position just because it's open. we got to put the right warm body. <laughs>
0: yeah. Absolutely. And not just from a viewpoint of what do I need now, but what do I need tomorrow or right. next year? So we've talked about attracting and we've talked about recruiting. Let's take a break right here and let's talk about... For our listeners who are maybe really connecting with this, what are some questions that you would recommend that they sit down and maybe think through, define for themselves to get the most out of this?
2: We would like for our listeners to ask themselves the questions, what am I doing right now in my organization to understand my talent gaps?
1: Yeah. And do we have an employment brand to attract qualified talent? And what is it? I mean, what is it? that we offer that may be unique to the marketplace if we do have that employment brand.
2: And how do we use our global brand to attract talent? You know, if I have, um, whether I'm global or I'm regional or I'm in a small community that's been there for 50, 60 years, how do I leverage my reputation and my brand to attract talent?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And what kind of strategies and tactics do we employ to actively recruit talent to our organization? Is it working currently? Mm -hmm. If so, how do we strengthen and expand it? If not, what do we need to do to change it in order to make us more effective in being able to recruit talent into the organization? And the other thing I would also mention is what are we doing to help our managers with interviewing skills? So that they know how to sort through folks that are telling them what they want to hear versus people who really have that knowledge, the knowledge, the skills, the abilities to do the job that that you have at hand.
2: Looking for the right behaviors.
1: Exactly. Kind of that whole behavioral interviewing. Right. Because the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So getting to those examples of of the kinds of things that the employees have done, either in their current position or in past positions, that would replicate well in the opening that you have currently.
2: And Bev, I want to just piggyback on one thing that you said about strategies. You know, if we find something that's not working, we can stop and change it. A lot of times, our what I found is our companies don't stop um, and they keep pushing the current strategy that they have. And it takes some awareness as an organization that we have to slow down. And what we've done in the past isn't what always is going to work for us in our present day or in our future. And maybe it's time for us to change
1: our model. Yeah, that old definition of insanity. Yes. We're continuing to do what we've always done and expect a different outcome. So, yeah, if you're not getting the results that you want out of recruiting or when you go to hire talent, then what do you need to do differently Mm -hmm. in order to get the results that you need?
0: With that in mind, let's – and I know we're going to jump into some other areas in future episodes to dive down deeper – But let's say that our audience member is going through these questions, thinking about what, you know, Ramona, you just touched on. And they're saying, we have a huge problem. And I can't wait for the next podcast to address it. We have to tackle this right now because this is just a huge need for us. What do they do?
2: You can call us. You can email us. You can come by if you're local. Our consultants will get to know your problem and it becomes our problem. And we start to understand your business and the nuances of your business and your strategy so that we can prescribe the best solution for your talent management needs.
0: We've all been there. We find that right candidate for the job, but they either don't show up for the first day of work or they quit within the first year. In our next episode, we'll be talking to Bev and Ramonda about what can be done to properly onboard your top talent to make sure they stay a valuable member of your team. For show notes or for additional information, please visit us at bbtleadershipinstitute.com. Leadership Amplitude is a podcast production of the BB&T Leadership Institute. All rights reserved.